the opinions expressed on Tomahawk Talk do not reflect that of WVFS Tallahassee. From the highest point on Florida State's campus and the hottest room in Seminole Sports, this is Tomahawk Talk. Wherever you may be and however you may be listening, we are streaming live on wvfs.fsu.edu and are also on air locally on 89.7 FM here in Tallahassee, Florida. If you would like to call into the show, feel free to dial us up at 850-644-3871. And as always, if you miss this show or any other future show, you can always go back and listen to us on the Tomahawk Talk podcast, available anywhere you get your podcasts at. Be sure to like and subscribe to the entire V89 Podcast Network while you're at it. We greatly appreciate it. I'm your host, Luke Hazen, welcoming you to an all-new season in the new year of Tomahawk Talk. And, you know, leading the semester off with a bittersweet episode tonight, as I'll be signing off as the host of the show for the final time tonight and handing the reins over to my good friend and co-host Gabe, who I now welcome in, Gabe Tisnes. We're cutting to you a little bit early before we preview everything that we've got going on tonight because I thought this was a, you know, a momentous occasion. I'm officially stepping off after this show. Uh, you're going to be filling in for me coming up, and, and William Haynes, who we'll introduce later on the show, is going to be uh, taking your role as co-host. Um, how are you feeling? Don't leave me. <laughs> Don't leave me, Luke. Nah, man, it's it's bittersweet for sure. It's uh, it's been quite the journey in the station and. You've been here ever since I was here in my freshman year, so it's it's yeah. kind of like you know saying goodbye to once again another legend of the station, and uh, I can't thank you enough for everything that you've done for the station, everything that you've done for me personally. Uh, you are quite the man, quite the the man of virtue that um, I know is going to do great things. Now that you're graduating, I can't wait to to be in that position, not having to go to school. <laughs> but uh, yeah, man, I'm I'm really happy to to see you succeed going forward. So. Thank you once again. For awesome. Well, dude. thank thank you, Gabe, so much for that. Um, really quickly though, you know, looking forward to, to hosting. How how you know that sort of to rattle you a little bit, or how how are you looking forward to, to taking the reins as the full host of the show? I'm looking forward to it. I I can't wait to talk about playoffs next week with William. Uh, spoiler alert, but uh, yeah, there's a lot to talk about in the next couple of weeks, and I'm I'm so excited to to be on that host duty. Um, am I ready? We'll find out. <laughs> but I'm definitely excited. And uh, it, it's just it's 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 cool to to finally kind of be able to bring in your your own perspective to to the station. I think that's that's kind of what I'm I'm looking forward to. The, the show is isn't going to change much, but I think in in, in general the the station's kind of you know venturing into to the new blood territory, and I'm pr- kind of like the transition guy, not really the the old guy or, or the new guy. So it's gonna be fun getting to 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 continue to to expand the station and the the future. Yeah. Well, you know what, Gabe? They they always say you know you're never ready until you're ready, and it, yeah. you know sometimes it's just a leap of faith. And I'm sure I'm sure you're going to be great next week. You know I'm going to be listening and, and yes, calling sir. and critiquing whenever <laughs> you, whenever you and William over here are making a mistake. So I'll welcome in William Haynes as well on the panel tonight. Uh, William, how you doing, bud? How was your How was your break? It was good. Very happy about my Tampa Bay Buccaneers not only winning the NFC South and going to the playoffs, but potentially looking at a couple of home playoff games that I'll be able to go down there for. So that's. Oh, it's exciting, but good to be here for the first show of the new year and, and really thrilled to take on this new opportunity with the station. So many people in this group that know so much about sports and to be able to be here every week and talk to you guys about sports is really a treat and uh, it's always a great show. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we're, we're glad to have you on. And How much are you looking forward to as the new co-host of the show? Uh, very much looking forward to it. Me and Gabe uh, getting the chance to uh, a lot of great sports coming up, NFL playoffs and, and obviously FSU being relevant in, in several sports uh, ar- around the calendar year. So 
uh, no shortage of good things to talk about, and uh, we're, we're certainly opinionated, and we know our sports. <laughs> well, thank you, William, so much for, for being on the show, and, and best of luck to you and Gabe as you you know push Tomahawk Talk and, and add your own voices to the show uh, in the next era of V89 and, and Tomahawk Talk. Um, I know I'm going to miss it. Don't take it for granted. That's all I have to say mm-hmm. about that. Um, but also, rounding out the panel tonight, the man, the myth, the legend, Jack Alariaro, uh, joining us as well. Jack, how you doing, bud? I am doing pretty, pretty good. Doing pretty good. Best Larry David impression there? Yeah, maybe a little bit there. Um, didn't have too much to write home about my NFL teams this uh, past week. Most of them are done, but I have a bandwagon i got to root for, so maybe I'll find one by the end of the show. May, might I suggest the uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? <laughs> not sure about not sure my Atlanta family would be super pleased about that, but we'll see what happens. Nice. You have to do some persuasion. True, uh, Jack. Really quickly, uh, how was your break? Any New Year's resolutions? Um, I don't want to be that guy who's like, I don't do resolutions, yeah. but I actually don't. I just um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there we go. But um, hopefully, my teams get better this year. I finally <laughs> I had the Braves. Had the Braves. This is a start of maybe something good. Maybe my teams get it together. But on that same note, um, the Bears fired their uh, head coach and GM today. So yeah. maybe that is the res- maybe that's already what off to for. a good start, right? Best of wishes already. Is, is it you want your teams to get better, or you you need to set more realistic expectations for the new year for your teams? You can't get I have cheered so. for bad teams my entire life. I've done enough waiting. There you I've, go. I've done my time. Just you're you're entitled to a good season, Jack. You know you're in a bad spot as a sports fan when you're making New Year's resolutions, not for yourself. But for your teams. Right. Well, they can't get their act together, and they won't make resolutions the for problem. themselves. So, that, you know, you might as well be the spokesperson for them and get out in front of it, right, Gabe? In true New Year's resolutions fashion, you're making, uh, you know, promises that are not going to happen for your teams. So There we, there go. we go. There you go. There are just lies being told up and down this show tonight. Uh, well, ladies and gentlemen, we've got a great show for you as we open up the new semester here uh, at the station tonight. You know, obviously, we have a national championship uh, that's going to be underway in less than, or yeah, less than an hour, according to the websites. Uh, kickoff will probably be around eight twenty-ish, not eight o'clock, right on the dot. Um, but we're going to have Georgia and Alabama kicking off from Indianapolis to decide the national champion of this year's college football season. Um, so we're going to get, we're going to dive into that more in the second half. Um, and also, we've got a huge, huge slate of. NFL games from this past weekend, probably the best weekend we've had so far this season, uh, and also looking forward to the playoffs a little bit. So without further ado, guys, let's just get into it right now. Uh, starting with the NFL, listen, there were moments during the season, I want to say. There were good games, one-off games, Sunday night games, what have you, some good Thursday night football games. But it felt like for the entire regular season, we were missing that huge, crazy weekend of football where – from 1 o'clock to 4 o'clock to 8 o'clock and on, uh, there was chaos ensuing at, at every level with great games going on. Um, and leave it to the NFL, they waited until they added the 18th week. It was met with some criticism saying that, oh, there's not a whole lot that's actually going to go down during uh, this week 18. A lot of divisional games where people are resting people, uh, teams are resting people and whatnot. Um, but week 18 delivered, to say the least. And we'll start with... The Chargers-Raiders game that happened last night, Sunday night, I'm going to go ahead and call it the game of the year mm. because that's what I firmly believe it was. But in order to kind of get what went into last night's uh, outcome between the Chargers and Raiders, you have to go back a week before where, you know, the Raiders had gone into Indianapolis and pulled off a game-winning field goal at the last second to keep their season alive and keep Indy on the brink of the playoffs. It was a win-and-in for Indianapolis. They couldn't get the job done. And you get to the Chargers who beat the Broncos, 
And after the Chargers and Raiders both win their games, you hear these rumblings, and I see a couple tweets on my timeline last week that said, well, hey, no one's kind of talking about this right now, but there's a possibility that if the Colts lose to the Jags somehow next week, all the Raiders and Chargers have to do in, in their game next week is tie. They could kneel it for the entirety of the game, and both of them would be into the playoff. And everyone brushed it, brushed it to the side at first because they thought there was no way, no way on earth that Indianapolis, after the season in which they've been proclaimed as the team no one wanted to see in the postseason uh, and the team playing the best football right now in the AFC, was going to lose to the Jacksonville Jaguars, the team with not only the number one pick in Trevor Lawrence who had been struggling, but they were in line to have the number one pick again this season. They fired their coach halfway through the year because their coach uh, not only left the team and went to a bars in Ohio and, and had you know interactions with women that some would say are uh, uh, borderline. I don't I don't even <laughs> want to get into it. You guys know where I'm going with that. Um, but he's also kicking kickers out there. He's kicking his own players uh, during practices. So Urban Meyer's out of there, and you're thinking there's no way that Indianapolis uh, can lose that game. Well, spoiler alert, we'll get more into the Carson Wentz and that Colts team, but they did it. The Jaguars not only beat the Colts, they dominated the Colts for most of that game. So that's the first thing that has to happen. At the same time, in that 1 o'clock window, you have the Pittsburgh Steelers who... I mean, we said goodbye to Big Ben one last time on Monday night against the Browns at Heinz Field. We thought their season was over, and we were just going to, you know, give our roses to Ben and, and wish him a happy retirement. No, no. They take the Ravens. They survive a hobbled Ravens team in overtime. They get in with the win. So now you're you're stuck in a situation where the Raiders and Chargers, yes, one of those teams will go home if the other wins, and the Steelers will be in. And somehow, some way, with with Ben Roethlisberger as their quarterback, get into the postseason. But the Raiders and Chargers now, if they just tie, both of them are in. So you have this huge prisoner's dilemma set, set up where you, you're not sure which team is going to flinch first if there's meetings going around uh, and whatnot. And what transpired, I thought, was an even better game than, or a more interesting game than, than what would happen if they legit would have taken a knee. Um, and that was the end of the the, the Raiders game. Raiders get the victory, 35-32 over the Chargers. Uh, they get off to a huge lead to start the game. To, I think they lead 26-14, 29-14 at one point. Chargers late in the fourth quarter, they need to have it. They convert a fourth and 11, and then a fourth and 21. They get the two-point conversion, and then the next drive, they get a stop against the Raiders, and then the next drive, Justin Herbert con converts what seems to be a billion different fourth down and tens. Uh, on that drive, as time expires, he hits, uh, I want to say, yeah, Mike Williams in the end zone, and then they kick the field goal to, or they kick the extra point to go to overtime. You have a back and forth in overtime, and then it gets to the point where the Raiders, with 30 seconds left, are on the brink, the brink of field goal territory, guys, and Brandon Staley decides to call timeout. Raiders, after the game, say, that kind of changed the way that we went about how we wanted to finish this game. Uh, the next play, Josh Jacobs, 10-yard run, puts him into field goal range, and then the Raiders say, screw it, we're going to go for the win. We don't want to go to Kansas City as the seventh seed and tie, you guys, even though it's the safer option, apparently. Uh, they could have gotten the field goal blocked, I guess. Uh, we want to go to Cincinnati. We want to play for the win, send you guys home, and kick the field goal to win it, and that's exactly what they do. 
Raiders are moving on to Cincinnati. Chargers, despite the heroics of Justin Herbert, go home empty-handed in what felt like such a promising season for that roster and that coaching staff that they had built and their, that quarterback that they have there in Justin Herbert. Um, listen, plenty of things went wrong for the Chargers this season. This by no means was a one-off. You know, this game decided their season. They lost to the Texans, for Christ's sake, a couple weeks ago. Um, but it's got to be a gutting, gutting loss for the Chargers. And I'll start with you, Gabe. Uh, just your initial reaction to that crazy, crazy game we saw last night. A lot of things went wrong for the Chargers, as they usually do. Yep. That's, that's it. I mean, you get to the point where you're playing against the Raiders, the team that somehow always manages to start off the season right and then end up not in the playoffs and then you lose to them uh, granted to the Raiders they did play a lot of primetime games at home this year and they won most of them so there was some sort of positive trend there but we also saw the Chargers at one point and kind of midway through the season looked like the team that was going to win the AFC West and maybe run the AFC and then you end up here it's incredibly disappointing and I mean every quarterback except probably Brady needs that big loss they need that big letdown to kind of rise up and become the next future NFL Hall of Fame quarterback. I hope this is that moment for Justin Herbert because everyone expected him to be in the playoffs. He seemed to be an MVP candidate at some point during the season. Um, I think he got robbed from the Pro Bowl, if I'm correctly. No, he did make, he, the, Pro he did make the Pro Bowl. Josh okay. Allen was the one that didn't make it. I think it was... Or Joe Burrow, too. Yeah, Joe yeah. Burrow did, too. I think it was Mahomes, Herbert, and, and, Lamar. Uh, and Lamar who yep. made it. But, yeah, mm-hmm. I, get, I get what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, I mean... The game was insane. <laughs> Definitely up there for a game of the year. Uh, with 18 weeks, you would have thought that the game of the year would have probably come before then. But no, it was literally the last game of the season, which was 272 incredibly... 272 out of 272. It was incredibly uh, refreshing. And uh, I I don't know about this Raiders team. Uh, I mean, for them to be doing this without a coach, uh, it says a lot about their roster. But even then, I don't know how they're going to go against the Bengals and, and pull it out. But... That's another topic for another discussion. Yeah, I, despite you can you can say what you want about the Raiders moving forward in the postseason all you want, I just think it's a great story and Derek Carr deserves a ton of praise. I think for the crap that he's been through through what that franchise has been through, albeit some of it is self inflicted. They in fact did were the ones that hired John Gruden in the first place. Um, but Derek Carr, I think, deserves this moment. He made the playoffs earlier in his career and he couldn't because he broke his leg during the final week of the season. So it's nice to get him, see him get that playoff spot. But William, I'll go to you, and I'll go back to this, <laughs> this discussion we were having of, of a potential tie. Did you, for one second, leading into that game, think that either team was going to agree to a tie? No, okay. under no circumstance. Obviously, right. you're going into that game looking for the win, and that's really what adds to to really. You can't understate the insanity that this game had for it to be the last game of the season for both teams. It was win or go home. You know, save for the tie. And, you know, all the discussions around the game, no way this, this game is going to be close to a tie. And that we were in overtime. We were two seconds away and a missed field goal from these two teams tying and the Steelers out of the playoffs. It was one of the craziest things I've ever seen in the NFL regular season. Yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right that not for – so just a, just a little context here. My, my dad and my brother are huge Steelers fans. They My dad grew up a Steelers fan, and my brother got that from him. I, I ended up a Bucks fan. Um, made the right choice. But they they and I were watching the game together, and not for one second did we think that they were playing for a tie until it got to the point where it was actually on the table in overtime. I just didn't think that was 
a possibility heading into the game. This is football we're talking about. You know, it's not a political science class where we're talking about game theory and what each each rational actor would do in that certain situation like that. Um, obviously, it benefits both teams to to tie in in a case like that. But we're not living in a vacuum here. There's a game to be won and a game to be lost. And so I I think you're right about the discourse about the the idea of them tying was a little overblown. Um, but Jack, then we get to overtime. And the situation is laid out perfectly in front of you. It's just 30 seconds. All you need to do is let the clock wind if you're the Chargers and the Raiders, and you're making the playoffs, and Brandon Staley calls that timeout. In your mind, does he, does Brandon Staley deserve the blame for this loss because of that timeout, or was there is this way more uh, of a, a, a broad issue? Of course we're going to look at this specific moment, and um, yeah. really this could be an uh Week 18, it used to be week 17, shenanigans. Just This is one of the all-time best shenanigans you've ever seen on the last week. Um, there's a whole host of mistakes, and it was talked about going into this game. Well, not going into this game, but about Staley, that um, he hasn't made the right calls at certain times. There's been games uh, that maybe the Chargers you think would have won if they did this or did that. So almost in the terms of the Ravens where, you know, if – they're 14 points away from being a number one seed and then X amount of points, I forgot it was, but from being um, maybe a 12 seed in the AFC. So that that's just how, that's the game of football. And what makes it so great is that there are the tiniest of margins in this league. And the AFC all year, you saw you saw in the Sunday Night Football graphics, you'd, you'd fit the entire TV screen of all the teams who are still in contention in the for hunt. this. In the hunt. I love the in the hunt list. It is. It's, a, it's amazing. And for it to be in that circumstance, first off, uh, I'm sure the NFL is just loving themselves right now, <laughs> giving themselves some big pats on the back for that. But um, it's going to be one of the dumbest calls you'll ever see in a long time. Dumb in hindsight, it's like they were in the midst of a battle. He overplayed his hand, and he, he swung and missed. And then the Raiders are like, all right, you're going to do that? Let me, stri- let me strike you down, and I'll take this playoff from you. So, so here's what I would I, I would I would argue back about that. Mm-hmm. I think the Raiders were already striking right at the at the Chargers. They were running the ball the entire drive there. I think they were playing for the win. I think in their minds, sure, a tie gives them a playoff berth. But at the same time, when they were lining up for the field goal, I almost forgot, and I had to remind myself, like, oh yeah, this field goal now is the difference between having to go to Arrowhead and going to Cincinnati. I don't know about you guys, I would much rather make the field goal and go to Cincinnati. So I think there was something to gain by the Raiders winning that game, which was the case the entire game, which is why I don't think the tie was ever ever a thing. Branson is going to catch some flack for that timeout. In reality, he couldn't trust the Raiders to just wind down the clock. He was playing to get the ball back, potentially. And, you know, he, he calls a timeout to substitute his run packages in. And they still get run on, which had been a problem for the Chargers the entire season. One of the worst run defenses I've ever seen in my entire time watching the NFL was on display for the entire season for the Chargers. And it reared its ugly head again. And I think that's the real reason why the Chargers are going home. Not because of a timeout that Brandon Staley took with 30 seconds left. That wasn't the difference. But there is something to be said about his game management and time management, perhaps. Correct. At times, it it, it has caught in some flack because it hasn't worked out. And I think it... The one thing I would say about Brian Staley is I think he had to be more consistent and and do that on a more consistent basis, going for on fourth down, going for two in certain situations, to really get the full effect of what we would have seen from an analytical side of the football. But again, I I think 
the problems that plagued the Chargers weren't decision making problems. I think it was more they like they just got beat up front for most of the season. Rex Burkhead ran for two hundred yards on him. I go back to that Texans game again. It's crazy, William. And that that's a huge problem for the Chargers. I mean, they bring in this head coach Brandon Staley, who was a defensive coordinator for the Rams a season ago and was regarded as, you know, you, you see all the new young guys on the offensive side of the ball like a Sean McVay. Uh, Staley was supposed to be the defensive version of that, and the defense has been a problem all season. You mentioned the run defense has been a glaring hole on this roster, and they knew as soon as the Raiders got into the Chargers' territory, all they were going to do was run the ball, and they couldn't do anything to stop it. Josh Jacobs was running at will. The Chargers give up 35 points in this do-or-die game. A defensive head coach, you know, the fourth down decisions and the timeout decisions aside, where do you go forward? This is supposed to be his specialty, and the defense has let this team down time and time again this year. Yeah, just definitely a problem that they're going to have to solve during the offseason. And even if they solve the problems on defense, that offense probably is going to regress a little bit too. You're going to have guys that are aging. Mike Williams is, you know, a limited player. Keenan Allen's getting older in age. Uh, definitely a lot of problems to solve for the Chargers and that sucks because we all love Justin Herbert. We think that we think the world of him that he's you know one of the great young quarterbacks that we have in this league. And you just hope it doesn't devolve into like a Philip Rivers situation there for the Chargers, as it has been for the past twenty years. It seems like, um, but you know Chargers end up empty-handed, handed uh, in a game that they could have tied and gone to the playoffs. Raiders move on to Cincinnati. Good for Derek Carr. Good for Raiders Nation. I know a bunch of fans that are really passionate about that team. Uh, so it's good to see them win. And uh, we'll talk about the playoffs a little bit later on. But before that, though, you had an even more inexplicable loss that happened in Duval County, Jacksonville, Florida. That's correct. Gabe, the Colts came into last week in their game against the Raiders a win-and-in scenario. That's all they needed was one measly win to get into the playoffs after a season that saw them start the season 1-4, and 1-5 and five or something like that, climb their way out of that hole and become one of the, the more popular picks to make a run potentially in the, in the postseason. You had John, the, you know, the resurgence of Jonathan Taylor in his second year, and then it all comes to an absolute thud in Jacksonville. Trevor Lawrence and the Jags, two wins on the entire season. They dominate the Colts in a must-win game for Indianapolis, just inexplicable. I I was talking to my friend who's a Jacks fan while the game was going on. He was freaking out, and I was like, "What are you What are you talking about? Like, you're gonna lose the number one pick." <laughs> yeah. And and he was happy about it, and I was like, well, "Good for him." But I mean, yeah, the Colts, the Colts. Uh, where, where do you go from this? I mean, we saw Jeff Saturday and and um, Pat McAfee, Pat McAfee uh, talk it out uh, today, and uh, they were not happy. And granted, I mean, who would be happy after this? Uh, Man, being in the AFC South is is quite the experience, I think. And if you're losing to the worst team in the league, then you definitely don't deserve to be in the playoffs, even though for a while it seemed like they were a really good team uh, that could make some noise in the playoffs. I mean, Jonathan Taylor, he was an MVP candidate, and, and he was so young. So, yeah, it's, it's one of the most puzzling losses of the season. But, hey, this is the NFL. Yeah. I mean, William, it was literally a clown show in Jacksonville. You saw the fans show with the wigs, you know, sticking it to Shad Khan and Trent Baalke and that whole ownership group. Like, this was as self-deprecating as it gets for the Jags the entire season, and yet the Colts roll in there and they get their butts handed to them. Uh, it, you know, Carson Wentz, where do we go at this point 
with Carson Wentz if you're a Colts fan. And and that was really the problem. I I think they had gotten by with Wentz at quarterback because the run game had been so effective. Jonathan Taylor, over 1,800 rushing yards uh, this season. The offensive line, the last handful of seasons, has been well known for being uh, very good. You take Jonathan Taylor's uh, 23-yard run in garbage time out of the picture, Jonathan Taylor, 14 carries for 54 yards. So this is their identity in a do-or-die game in Week 18. And the one thing that they do well, they can't run the football. Jacksonville is blowing them off the line of scrimmage. And for really one of the first times this season, you get Carson Wentz in panic mode. And he threw his first interception on the road all season. He threw two interceptions in the third quarter. And uh, really just a a complete meltdown by, by the guy that they needed to make a play in the biggest moment. And he didn't come through. Yeah, Jack. I know you had some opinions on this game and the Colts' future with with Wentz at the helm. Uh, what what was your takeaway from this this shocking game? Oh boy, this um, is unacceptable. It's it's unacceptable. You have you have quality guys on defense. You have def- Pro Bowl um, seven Pro Bowlers, seven Pro Bowlers. But the the key ones on defense: DeForest Buckner, Darius Leonard, and uh, Kenny Moore. Not only did you give up 23 to um, the Jaguars, you gave up 23 and made, granted, the first pick in the NFL draft have his best game. Normally, in the past few years, that's not a statement. It's like the first pick for the past couple years has been amazing, generally speaking. But Trevor Lawrence has been one of the is probably one of the worst quarterbacks this season, and you made him put up his best game. He had mul- multiple touchdowns for the first time. And I, earlier I was thinking, is this a matter of, Jacksonville showing up for pride. And then the clown, the, they showed up in clown outfits, clown wigs, as you said earlier. They had nothing to play for, and that they showed up. So is it a testament to the Jacksonville Jaguars? Maybe, but this is this should be about uh, Indy. And, um, again, only 77 yards on 15 attempts. Again, that garbage time run kind of inflates that a bit. But this is a D-plus rush defense by Jaguars. The Colts are bottom five in pass yards. And we were kind of okay with it because we feared, oh, they're a balanced attack. Their their uh, divisional opponents uh, in Tennessee, that that is a balanced attack where you have a monster at running back and you have Ryan Tannehill doing the work that's needed of him. That's who they want to be. That's who we thought they could be in the playoffs, and that's just not who they are. They, Carson they, Wentz is not Ryan. They are missing the clutch factor. They're missing a bit of clutch, a bit of luck. Andrew Luck. <laughs> It all goes back to Andrew, who, you know, we, we, we were looking at the pregame show for the national championship. Andrew Luck, a, a day after the, the franchise's worst uh, regular season loss in, in a while. He had to come out of Of course, of course he's got to come out of retirement to rear his head and cause Colts fans a whole bunch of misery there. Um, just expl- I mean, this Jaguars team was getting 50-piece by Matt Jones last week, guys. It's just inexplicable that the Colts could lose this game. But you know what? All it is... It's just destiny. I think it's just destiny writing the script for a Hollywood ending for Big Ben and the Steelers who go into Baltimore. They get the win really quickly to wrap up the first half. That was the final kind of key piece in this AFC playoff picture. You know, you have the Raiders beat the Chargers. Before that, you have the Jags beat the Colts to open up the situation where the Steelers get in. And Big Ben has one last ride in the playoffs. They are going to play the Chiefs in the first round, but... 
How about Big Ben going out with a, a, another game-winning drive to end his regular season career against the Ravens? And it's about as ugly as they'll come. Going into this season, I'm not sure I've ever seen a quarterback throw that many passes in a game with as low uh, yards per attempt as Big Ben has. I mean, routinely this game, 44 passes, 5.5 yards per attempt. It's a lot of dink and dunk stuff, but <laughs> he, sure, he sure knew where to go with the ball in that final drive. It's insane. And I, I swear, Ray Ray McLeod, who caught the fourth down pass that they needed to convert, I swear he dro- he bobbled it and dropped it about eight different times before he finally sealed it in. It's like a knuckleball that Ben threw to him there. Um, but you know what? They convert that, they kick it, and Steelers are moving on. So okay. is TJ Watt now the defensive player of the year? Or oh, are I we think just going to keep messing around with this? Cause <laughs> oh, he better get it. I, I mean, For the last couple years, he has been the first. I thought he should have won it last year. Aaron Donald ended up winning it. Um, but definitely, there's no debate this year. I mean, he, he tied Michael Strand's fake record. Brett Favre dove. <laughs> Brett Favre took a dive so that Strahan could get the record. So I, in, in my mind, TJ's got the record. Uh, I think he should be Defensive Player of the Year, and we'll see if he can he can cause some some panic for for Patrick Mahomes. We're gonna get into playoff predictions and all that in the next half. Uh, from myself, Luke Hayes, and that has been the first half of Tomahawk Talk. You are listening to WVFS Tallahassee, the voice of Florida State. All right, we are back here on Tomahawk Talk for the second half, wrapping up our NFL talk. You know, playoffs are on the horizon this next coming week weekend, uh, Saturday, Sunday, and a Monday night game. Uh, which leads us into our next conversation about the NFC side of the bracket. So we had the AFC side all set up with our talk last last half. Titans, Chiefs, Bills, Bengals, Raiders, Patriots, and the Steelers. But on the NFC side, the most consequential game and the game that everything else in the picture kind of revolved around was Rams 49ers in the late window yesterday. And at first it seemed like it was going to be inconsequential to say the least. Rams jump out to a 17-0 lead uh, in the first half. Tyler Higby catches a touchdown. And Sean McVay runs out into the end zone to celebrate with his team. And from that point on, the 49ers outscore the Rams 27-7. to End up winning it in overtime. Jimmy Garoppolo puts together an absolutely amazing drive at the end of the game. Uh, hits Jawan Jennings in the end zone to tie it. Then you get to overtime. Uh, 49ers go right down the field and kick a field goal. And then Matthew Stafford, we've been saying it all year, he rears his ugly head again, throws a pick to end the game. 49ers win. They clinch their playoff berth uh, after missing last season's playoffs. They are back in the dance, sending at the same time, and this breaks my heart, sending the New Orleans Saints home empty-handed. They they won yesterday too, but it didn't matter. Uh, so your NFC playoff picture with the Bucks winning as well is now set up. Packers, Bucks, Cowboys, Rams. Then you get the uh, <laughs> sorry Cardinals, 49ers, and the Eagles. Uh, but Gabe, I'll go to you first. That Rams 49ers game. What did that show you from from either side? Both the the collapse by the Rams, but also Jimmy Garoppolo stepping up with a torn thumb ligament. I mean, he said that the webbing in between his his pointer finger and his thumb was just completely shredded and it hurt every time he threw uh what, what was your takeaway from this this huge game my takeaway is that i no longer trust the rams going forward mm. they've been my pick since august i've been looking for a team that can dethrone the bucks that is not named the packers because i still don't trust them since last year and the rams will not be that team which leads me to believe that the bucks will be back in the championship which breaks my heart <laughs> <laughs> authentically saying it but um no i mean 
the 49ers, they have the Rams number. They've been kind of beating their butts for a couple of weeks, uh, not weeks, years. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of weird because Sean McVay is not a bad coach. We know how, how good he can be, but somehow the 49ers haven't figured out. And uh, obviously the Rams didn't have that much to play for, but I think playoff seeding and beating your rival and going into the playoffs with good momentum is something that you shouldn't just kind of give up on the second half for. And so, I mean, Matthew Stafford, I've been trying to praise him as much as I can, but 17 picks, obviously it's an 18-game season, but that's still too much. That's that's mm-hmm. that's borderline turnover prone, and that will not get it done in the playoffs. So um, I'm kind of hopping out of the Rams bandwagon for now. Yeah, I mean – you know, it's William. It's so fascinating with the Rams and and from the 49ers' perspective. Jimmy Garoppolo is now six and zero. Kyle Shanahan has, I think, one loss against Sean McVay as long as those two have been playing against each other. But it, I think, it's so fascinating from the Rams' perspective, and especially um, when you look at last season's uh, season for the Rams too. Like the Rams were in the Final Four, they got to the division around with Jared Goff. You make all these changes in the offseason. You trade for Matthew Stafford. You know, you kind of burn your bridges with Jared Goff and you say, like, oh, we thank Jared Goff because he taught us that we needed to get better at the quarterback <laughs> position. Those were actual words that Sean McVay said. He said, you know, Jared Goff taught us how, to, you know, how losses we need to change from it. Uh, and they bring Matthew Stafford in this season. They go 12-5 and now in the regular season. That's their final record. Um, and yet you're looking at this team and it's like, can they get past the divisional round? Do you trust them? to get any further than that? Or are they just kind of stuck in the same place they were almost a year ago? Well, you can never throw out Sean McVay cooking up a, a nice game plan or, or two. But I think you're right. The the ability, the inability to trust Matthew Stafford right now is a big deal. And the team that the Rams played on Sunday, the 49ers, I think that that's a glimpse into what the Rams could have been staying with Jared Goff. I mean, I know there was a lot of ups and downs, but Jared Goff, a guy that in that offense, within the frame of, of, of what they did, conservative with the football, they leaned on the run game and, you know, lean on the defense. But you have a guy in Stafford who's throwing back-breaking interceptions. This is not the time of year that you can afford to be doing that. And Stafford, a guy, you look at his playoff uh, success, there's none to be found. So yeah. there's real no reason to trust Los Angeles right now. Yeah, and on, on the flip side, Jack, talking about the 49ers real quick, they seem to be heating up at just the right time. This was absolutely a statement win, not only for the 49ers as a whole and what their franchise has been through, but also Jimmy Garoppolo stepping up with an injured hand Biggest game of his career. Trey Lance literally played the game before, breathing down his neck. Uh, for him to come back in a game like that, this was the first time Sean McVay's team has ever lost after leading at halftime. And not only leading at halftime, they were up 17 to nothing in this game. Uh, for Jimmy Garoppolo to come back, uh, what kind of confidence does that, in, you know, does that in, entail for the, for the 49ers moving forward into the playoffs? They seem to be the wild card team that, like, if you want to, if you if you were to pick a wild card team to run the uh, run the bracket and go maybe Super Bowl or their uh, NFC uh, title game, it would be the 49ers because they're one. They're slightly just one. Not that they're a quarterback away, and obviously we saw a statement from Garoppolo that maybe this is why they're good. But Niners had one of the top offenses last season in terms of. Uh, I'm sorry, they were the number one offense in yards per play. Uh, they were sixth in opponent yards per play. They only gave up 5.1 yards per play. They seem to be the real deal that no one's really talking about, and maybe their record doesn't quite show. And they happen to uh, play the Rams, who they always have. There's this rock, paper, scissors thing. They always have the Rams numbers, and once again, it happened again. And um, 
they are a sneaky team, and they could very easily, very easily be the Cowboys. Cowboys are not taking this as a um, normal wildcard game, as they shouldn't, but 49ers could go deep if you had to pick an NFC team out of there. Yeah, so so let's look at the NFC. We'll start, you know, when we're looking at the playoffs for this coming week, our matchups are already set. So on Saturday, you're going to get two games. You're going to get Raiders-Bengals in the early spot on 430 on NBC. And then Saturday, you're going to get Patriots at Bills Part 3 on CBS uh, to start those wildcard games. Uh, Gabe, looking at those two games in particular, which do you think is more ripe for an upset? Raiders over Bengals or Patriots over Bills? We were talking about it before the show, and I kind of agreed with you. I think the Raiders do have the defensive line to pressure Burrow and disrupt the the passing game, but I'm actually going to take the Pats. I I do think that coaching is a superior commodity in in the playoffs than talent. And, I mean, we saw the Pats go, go to Buffalo and beat them. Obviously, it was in different conditions that we don't expect. Uh, for Saturday night, but who knows? I mean, I, I just do think that the, the talent level is closer than what people think, and Bill Belichick is just going to surprise people like he always does. Uh, but he, here's where I would brush back on that. It's not like Sean McDermott is that is a uh, bad coach. Yeah. He's He's been incredible since getting to Buffalo. And, the I mean, the the Bills have the game breaker. They have Josh Allen, who is one of, one of the hottest quarterbacks in the league right now. He's playing at, a, at an all-time put the team on my back level, Greg Jennings level uh, quarterback play right now. That, that that would be my only rebuttal as to why. Like, I'm not trusting Mac Jones in his first ever playoff game on the road in Buffalo, a team that's kind of Super Bowl or bust. They've built this team to beat Kansas City to get to the Super Bowl. They, like, it's going to shake up the AFC for a long time, I think, if the Patriots come right back off the mat after a season and they beat Buffalo in the playoffs, and they say, like, we're not, we're, we're still not going anywhere. We still own you. What's going to happen when the Pats beat the Titans? Oh, then, <laughs> then we're going to be in some trouble here. But, William, I'll go to you. You look at these two games starting on Saturday. Um, either of those, those games jump out to you? Um, I would say the Patriots-Bills is more enticing. You can never count out the Patriots as long as Bill Belichick is the head coach. To be able to, as I mentioned with Sean McVay, cook up a nice game plan in a big spot. We saw when the Patriots headed to uh, Orchard Park earlier this year, it was a really weird game. The Patriots won that game throwing the ball only three times. And this weekend in Buffalo, it's going to be about 15 degrees. It's going to be very cold. And I think the Patriots a slight edge. And then as it pertains to uh, the Raiders and Bengals, you see this every year, uh, the back end of the season, a Cinderella team finds a way to sneak into the playoffs. And in particular, that Sunday night game that they just had against the Chargers. The level that you have to exert just to get into the playoffs, and you're going on the road against a team in Cincinnati that had their feet up last week. They sat most of their starters. So I would say across the board, the Bengals get an advantage in that one. So you got Bengals-Patriots. I, I believe so. Okay. And, Gabe, you have Bengals-Patriots as well? I have Bengals-Patriots. I can't go against Joe Burrow. I mean, if they if the Raiders beat Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow, I'm just going to be crying on Saturday night. <laughs> Pro football focus will be in, in tears. <laughs> Those are their two darlings right there. Uh, Jack, what say you? I, you were saying a rookie quarterback in Buffalo against a really good team. To have Bill Belichick as your guy that you're going you're gonna to look to in times of need like this, I, I can't. It's almost like almost like Alabama. I just can't bet against Bill Belichick. I'm gonna take the Patriots. <laughs> but here, but he, it would be one thing if if those were two comparable things. But it's not like Nick Saban has a a, a, a rookie quarterback like Mac Jones 
coaching against, you know, some scrub team. It's Mac Jones going on the road in his first playoff game. I'm just not – you say you're not taking uh, the Bills over Bill Belichick. I'm not taking Mac Jones over Josh Allen and what I've seen from Josh Allen this year. He's been ridiculous. He has, but I just I just can't see it. This is – Unfortunately, I've ended up doing a lot on this show is that I've done I've just said stuff and not provided backup for it. And again, I'm, I'm going to have to do it again. I just can't see this happening. I can't see the bills. The bills have been the um, they've been under the Patriots shoe for so long. This is their chance to cement it right here in a playoff game. Do I think they do it? No, look, I don't. Look, I'm going to take the Patriots. If the and Bucks I stand by it. lose to the Saints twice in the regular season in horrible fashion, and they still somehow end up beating them the third time in the playoffs, Correct. I think the, the Patriots can do it. Somehow, I don't know, I, the, the blueprint is not out to, to, to say that the, the Patriots are favorites, but I think they will pull it off. Walk by faith, not by sight. We'll see. I, I, I just need to see it before I believe it again, I guess. I'm going to go ahead and pick the Bills. I'm also going to pick the Bengals. You. I don't blame you. Bengals on rest. I talk about the Raiders and how much I love them. I think the moment's a little too big for them. In Cincinnati, that place is going to be rocking. On the road. Yeah. So then we get into the Sunday games, starting at 1 o'clock. Uh, Eagles at the Buccaneers, who, who locked up the two seed there, uh, playing without Antonio Brown, playing without Chris Godwin. <laughs> it's been very well documented, not on this show because we've been on a break, but it's been documented that Brady's missing a few pieces. Tyler Johnson. Tyler Johnson is going to have to step up for sure. Uh, any any way the Eagles pull off the upset here, Gabe? No, 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 no. Um... Let's not waste time here. <laughs> William, what say you? Not a chance. Uh, Tampa Bay is going to be healthy. Fournette is going to be back. They're going to have Shaq Barrett, JPP, um, all those guys coming back from injury. And uh, there was a Thursday night game earlier this year where Tampa Bay was in Philly, and it was close. The Bucks didn't end up coming out, but they had a ton of injuries in that game as well. Even Brady was a little bit banged up, but Jalen Hurts, even in that game, did not play well at all. So I think the Bucks defense will be able to suffocate him and Brady and, and some of these new receivers that he's got. I think they're going to connect for some nice plays on offense. Yeah, Jack. Um, so I'm also going to go with the Bucks here. I think it's going to be tighter than maybe Gabe is going to make it out to be and what we think it might be, but I think it could be another claw-out game in terms of how it was against Washington last year in the wild card yeah. where really they made Tampa work for everything. It's not going to be a Taylor Heineke love story where everyone fell in love with him, <laughs> but it's going to be close, and Jalen Hurts is going to do his damnness to get to where uh, where they no one thought possible, yeah. but the Bucks will still come out. Yeah, I think the Bucks' run defense right now is a little vulnerable without Levante David, to say the least. That's I think true. you know Devin White certainly hasn't performed to expectations. He's been you know a little out of control. Kevin Minter, the other linebacker, has been slow to say the least. So the avenue for the Eagles to make this a close game is definitely there, uh, especially getting to the edges, running the ball on the outside against the Buccaneers. Um, but I just don't see a way in which Tom Brady isn't in control of this game. Uh, you know, you know that he's not going to let the moment be bigger than himself. He's not going to make those mistakes. Uh, that we've seen some quarterbacks in a home opener make. And so I'm, I'm going to pick the Bucks as well. And then probably the most intriguing game of the weekend, uh, 49ers at the Cowboys. This is a legacy game. Obviously, there's a lot of history between these two teams Love in the it. playoffs. But ironically enough, they haven't played each other in over, you know, 20-something 20, years since the NFC Championship game in 1994. Uh, 49ers-Cowboys, who you got, Gabe? I'm going to go with the Cowboys. I, I think this team has too much firepower. I do think that they have the edge at quarterback. It's it's tough to say who's the better coach. Uh, obviously, Mike McCarthy has had many issues, but even then, Kyle Shanahan has had issues. Um, but I do think that the Cowboys have the better talent. They have the home field advantage. Um, I think they really want this game. I mean, we, we've 
all known how tragic the Cowboys can be in December or January. But there's something about Dak that I think uh, leads me to believe that the Cowboys are heading into a new direction. Obviously, Jerry Jones is still there. But um, I do think the Cowboys pull it off. And they would be my pick for perhaps not a sleeper, but I think they, they could make some noise uh, really? in the NFC. Because everyone's talking about the Packers, the Bucks, even the Rams. Um, I think the Cowboys, they 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 have enough um, talent. They have enough. Um, I don't th- I I don't see the the bad luck this year, frankly. Hmm. There is no way in the sports media world we live in where the Cowboys are a sleeper. Not in this environment. Everyone's talking about the Cowboys. Yeah. Well, uh, what do you think about the game, Jack? I I said earlier I feel good about the Niners. I'm going to at least take them this far. I'm going to take them to the divisional. So. The one thing I love about playoffs is that it doesn't have to always be flashy. It's not going to be the most beautiful thing, and that's what the Cowboys are. I just like I just like um, Debo Samuel. I like what they have going. They have a really underrated defense, and they have a steady offense, and Jimmy G's given everyone some confidence on that Niners side. So I could at the very least see the Niners going to the divisionals and matching up against the Packers. All right, and then William? If I'm going to make the argument about the Raiders running out of gas after an emotional Week 18, I have to apply that same logic to San Francisco. I think the Niners alongside the Patriots, the two uh, biggest potentials for upsets. I think the Cowboys, though, maybe just a little bit too much firepower. They've got that nice run game and uh, some receivers that are doing some nice things. I know they do have one that's out for the year, but... Um, I will say this, if Prescott struggles a little bit early, he's not looking too good in San Francisco with that zone run. They get that that going and they can control the time of possession and and frustrate Dallas. That could potentially be a problem. Yeah. The one thing that the 49ers have going for them, they have game breakers on the defensive line, and so do the Cowboys, I guess. But Nick Bosa can absolutely wreak havoc for for, uh, Dak Prescott if they don't get the run going. I know the 49ers are going to get the run going. Whichever way possible, Kyle Shanahan is going to have that defense on their heels. And Michael Parsons, for as great as he has been this year, he is not the same player as when he is head down, pinned back ears, rushing the quarterback. You get him moving around a little bit, you get him a little tired early on, you get him on his heels having to make decisions about whether to run or pass or wherever he's covering at, he's not the same player. With all that being said, I do think that the Cowboys have a little bit too much firepower for Jimmy G to be in a, a, a duel with them. So I'm going to go ahead and hesitantly pick the Cowboys to win that game. Um, and then you get to Sunday night. Chiefs-Steelers, I think we're all in agreement. We're going to pick the Chiefs in that game. You know, prayers up to Big Ben. What a career it's been. But I, I do not think this this game ends well for him. They literally just played each other in the same stadium two weeks ago, and the Steelers got boat raced. I haven't seen a double-digit spread for a, uh, a, a playoff game in a long time. So, bye, Ben. Moving on. Yeah, I think the last – I mean, I know the Bucks were like 11-point favorites against oh, Washington that? last oh, year. Okay. Um, but obviously that didn't come to fruition there. Nope. Uh, yeah, I'm, it could be like a 10-point game maybe, but I just don't see any way the Steelers keep up with the Chiefs. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, Pittsburgh has got one of the ugliest-looking offenses in the NFL yeah. right now. Uh, Spagnola and the Chiefs, they're going to pressure Big Ben and, and force him to uh, dink and dunk, and I think they're going to be able to rally and tackle you know, short of the first down sticks quite a bit. And you get Patrick Mahomes going. You're, you're not going to beat Patrick Mahomes in a shootout in Arrowhead. Yeah, exactly. And to round it out, Monday night, Another real, I think it's a really good matchup, a rematch again. You get Cardinals, Rams, Gabe. What's your read on that game? I mean, after after what the Rams did to me, I, I'm struggling to pick them, but I, I, I've also talked bad about the Cardinals, and I do think that this is the moment where, once again, the moment is too big for them. We haven't seen them 
um, go far in the playoffs in a while. I I think Kyler Murray is, is great. I really do. But what he's going up against with, with the Rams is, is too much. And Matthew Stafford and the Rams, just they, they can't do it. They can't do a one-and-done after all the fiasco that they had over the offseason. So I'll go with the Rams. Wow. Uh, William? With a divisional game like this where, where you know both teams played each other tough in the regular season, and I think the rosters are, are pretty even as well, I'll give the toss-up to the home team. The Rams able to uh, clinch the NFC West and get that home game. So, um, you know, as long as Matthew Stafford doesn't have a couple back-breaking interceptions, I think the Rams with their pretty stout defense are going to be able to take care of business. Jack? I'm going to run this NFC West rock, paper, scissors down the station's throat. Rams over <laughs> Cardinals. Um I, again, I like the home field advantage, and I just they, there's too much I like on that defense, not so much the offense. The offense can scrape by against this Cardinals team, but I don't know if it can go any further, but it can at least get past Kyler Murray, I think. Yeah, you're talking about home field advantage for the Rams. The Cardinals have one loss on the season on the road. They are a better team on the road than the Rams. If this game was in Arizona, I would pick the Rams, but it's not. I'm going to pick the Cardinals on the road, especially especially. If they get DeAndre Hopkins fully healthy, he's been resting for the past That's what seems like eight weeks or something like that. If they get him back, I th- I think that it's an even bigger win for the Cardinals. I'm going to pick Kyler Murray. I think he's the better quarterback in this matchup than Matthew Stafford. I trust him in a big game on the road like that. I think they're going to be wired in. And I like Cliff Kingsbury. I don't trust <laughs> Matthew Stafford in the end. I have the Cardinals winning this game. Close. Close. Do we, but, think, do we think Cam Akers is going to do anything? Because he's also back. He He's back, and he might spell Sony Michelle and, and Daryl Henderson a couple times, but I, I don't see him having a huge impact on the game, I wouldn't say, coming off an Achilles injury like that. It usually takes a couple weeks to get really, really motored up for something like that. Um, but again, you know, Cooper Cup always has the potential to go off for <laughs> what seems like 200 yards, so we'll see. Triple crown winner. First game was a blowout for the Cardinals in that in that series, and then the second game was a closer game in Arizona uh, that went the Rams' way. So we'll see. We'll see what happens during the wild card. I'll save the rest of the NFL picks for you guys next week on on you guys' first show. That's our picks for the wild card weekend, though. Um, but we've got one more big pick to make, really, um, wrapping up the final six minutes of the show here. Uh, National championship is tonight, guys. I don't know. I don't know if you've heard. Or not. It seems like we've been talking about you know the NFL the entire day, but Georgia Alabama is tonight. It's a rematch of the SEC championship game that we got uh, just a what seems like a month ago. Alabama got the best of Georgia despite being underdogs, despite coming in with a, a loss to Texas A and M, and Georgia looking like an absolute behemoth uh, during that stretch there in which they went undefeated in the regular season. Bryce Young went off, picked apart that Georgia defense. They won it 41-24. to Stetson Bennett turned the ball over a couple times and trying to play catch-up. Uh, Gabe, how do you see this game playing out? What What is it, an X factor you're looking at tonight that could determine which way this game turns? I, I, I cannot not say Roll Tide. I mean, Alabama has Georgia's number. Everyone knows it. If you're going against it, then you are probably a Cowboys fan and you're delusional. <laughs> but... I do think that the game will be more entertaining than people think. Um, obviously, it's an SEC matchup. They know that they know each other pretty well. But even then, uh, I do think that Georgia's kind of going to have to face their demons, their fears. And I, I think Alabama has to really look at how they start off the game in the first half. If, if they can control the tempo in the first half, Georgia's going to crumble within the, 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 the third quarter. So 
Valdemar can start off well, not have any turnovers, control the running game, they're going to be well. More than fine, I think. But are we doing score? Yeah, yeah, yeah. give me a score. All right. Pencil it in. 34-23. Yep. 34-23. Roll Tide. Roll Tide. Wow. That's yeah. it. And Alabama would be back-to-back champions uh, for the first time since, I believe, I want to say. Um, it's been a long time. No. Has it? Alabama, Alabama went back-to-back, <laughs> I guess, since well, Alabama did it. Well, was Bama, but. 11-12. LSU and Notre Dame, they, they went back-to-back there. Um, William, I know it's been well-documented. You, you've been on the record saying this. Just the disparity that we've gotten in college football. Do you see it as a problem if we keep having Alabama win national championship after national championship? Well, I don't, I don't know if that's necessarily the problem. I, I think recruiting with the NIL, the, that gap is going to continue to grow. But I think, if anything, it's just with the playoff. It seems like at the end of every year, whether it's two SEC teams or just the two Blue Bloods always um, at the top of the ranks and, and really the number three and four teams in the in the playoff bracket end up being just you know cannon fodder. So, if anything, I, I think the, the semifinal games are, are a formality. What is the number? Um, only three of the 16 semifinal games have been decided by one score. So this Bama-Georgia rematch was inevitable, and I think that's just the reality of the sport right now. Yeah. How do you see the game going down tonight? I would say take Alabama minus the number, but they're underdogs. But I do like uh, the, the tide to roll here by uh, a, a 28 to 21 margin. Uh, certainly, Georgia has something in their favor that they did lose uh, the first time and quite handily. Georgia really had not been challenged all season going into that SEC championship game. So perhaps being faced with adversity really for the first time that season was something that they could use as a learning opportunity. They'll definitely keep it closer than they did last time around. But, uh, you know, Stetson Bennett really trying to just throw for it against a Nick Saban defense. I, I'm not sure how anyone could be confident in that. Um, and Alabama, <laughs> it just seems like some people forget they have the Heisman Trophy winner quarterback on their side. So their offense is pretty darn good, too. Yeah, and Bryce Young, of course, picked Georgia apart the last time they met. Took him a little while to get warmed up, and obviously he had John Mechie in that game. He's not going to have him tonight. George can kind of key in on Jamison Williams a little bit, make life more difficult for Bryce Young. I mean, Cincinnati kind of did that. Bryce Young didn't have the cleanest of games in that semifinal, despite the score being lopsided in, in favor of Alabama, Jack. Who do you trust more? You know, Bryce Young without a guy like John Mechie going up against a vaunted Georgia defense? Or Stetson Bennett, who I don't – I mean, do we really trust Stetson Bennett in a game like this? I don't think that – for a while, I don't think the Georgia fan base really right. trusts Stetson Bennett. If they trust JT Daniels more they than do. they do him. And if Georgia loses, unless Bennett throws over 400 yards and five touchdowns, they're going to put this on Bennett regardless right. if they lose. But this is, this is a make-or-break game, I think, for college football as a whole. Everything could change here. Georgia has the opportunity. They um, – Georgia has the opportunity. They are somehow favored. I don't know who is in charge of that, but they're somehow favored. I've been raised with every bone in my body to hate Georgia, but I think this is the year. With guys like N'Kobe Dean, Jordan Davis on that defense, that's something at a, sec- a second bite of the cherry for them to go against Bryce Young. I think this is going to be a defensive showdown. <sighs> Give me one of those lame scores. I'm going to go 20-13. to 13. Georgia. Wow. Holding Alabama to 13 points. If anyone can do it, it is the Georgia defense. Wow. And you know what? We're bringing in Scott Clemens right here uh, to give us a little breakdown. Scott, what's your final score prediction? I mean, as I think Jack has kind of said, Georgia's defense has been kind of phenomenal this year. They've been talked about a lot. 
and also has been what has been talked about a lot has been uh, Alabama kind of having Georgia's number per se. I think it's going to be a lot closer than the SEC title game was. I think it's going to be like pretty significant difference, but ultimately I think Saban still got it. You know, it's hard to bet against Belichick. It's even harder to bet against Nick Saban. I'll say Bama takes it 28-24. 28-24? All right. I I have a hard time with this because I, I thought for most of the season there's nobody that could touch Georgia. And then I saw that SEC championship game and just the way that Alabama, you know, they had their way with, with Georgia's defense. So that gives me a little pause cons- cause for concern. But, I, Jack, I think I'm with you. A second shot, Georgia's ability to, to get after Bryce Young, it's got to show up if they're going to have a shot. I do think that they get after Bryce Young a little bit more. Bryce Young finally has some of those redshirt freshman mistakes that he has not been prone to showing this season. Um, and I think that Stetson Bennett shows up huge. The Stetson Bennett, the Brock Bowers connection, has to be huge tonight. He's one of the best tight ends in the country. They're going to need him to step up. I think he does. I'm going to go ahead and say Georgia 27, Alabama 24 in overtime. I'm going to say overtime. That is the final score you're going to get. And you know what? What a way to... to, to finalize my career here as host picking against Nick Saban. <laughs> I'm sure that won't come back to bite me at all. Yet still somehow picking the favorite. Exactly, exactly. Uh, I blame Vegas for that one. That's, that's an excuse. That so it's a weird line to be sure. But you know what? That is going to wrap up this edition of Tomahawk Talk. Uh, I have been Luke Hazen for the past you know semester and a half, really, uh, of being the host on this show. But you know, for, for many, many more memories just past that, you know, I came here in 2018 as a freshman wide-eyed I stepped into this place for the first time full of optimism full full of you know wonderment at, at what the potential could be for this station and then Willie Taggart happened oh. <laughs> that, was, that was my I'm kidding of course uh, you know I've, I've enjoyed my time no matter how FSU has been doing uh, over the course of that you know the football program there and getting to cover it um, but in all seriousness I've loved the hell out of my time here at, at V89 and I've loved the people that I've gotten to do this this awesome job with uh, even more so. And just the connections I've made along the way, the dinners I've had after meetings, uh, all of that stuff is way, way bigger than the show in my eyes. Um, and so I, I truly appreciate you guys being here, here with me for my final show as, as host of the show. And uh, for anyone out there listening that has been a part of this program, that has been a part of the station, and no matter what capacity, uh, my heart goes out to you guys. Thank you so much for having me be a part of this station. Shout out to Misha Lawrence for for letting me do this job. Uh, And you know what? From myself, from Gabe Tisnes, from Jack Oliaro, from William Haynes, from Scott Clemens in the booth. I know Sebastian's out there doing cattle call or something like that. Uh, This has been Luke Hazen signing off for the final time as host on the show. I'm sure I'll come back in some capacity a little bit later on, pull Brett Rutherford. Uh, That has been my time here on Tomahawk Talk. You're listening to WVFS Tallahassee, the voice of Florida State.